0: I'm on a mission, a mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell and are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you it can give you the world or it can tear it apart there's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing these are their stories and this is the stories we tell What's up, guys? It's your host, Jamie Messina, and today we have a very special guest, Fabiano Menino. It's my my fellow Sicilian coming at us. He is the founder of Men of Refuge, helping men become safe refuge for everything they desire in life. Um, one of the people that I got connected with in St. Pete that I just felt like super aligned with, so I can't wait for you to hear from him. But first, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please go and do that. And if you find uh, value in today's episode... leave us a review preferably five stars and one more thing if you are ready to switch the story that you are playing in your head from one that is disempowering you to one that it will empower you to um you know go for everything that you want in life check the description here i have a link there to get you started on that. It is a free workbook so make sure to check that out and uh yeah let's just get to it with fabiano Alright guys, I have with me Fabiano Manino. Is that how you say it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Nailed it. Um, it. So, with me here, and listen, I'm really excited about this. Number one, I feel like the universe, and in St. Pete specifically, I don't know why. Mm. Actually, I do know why. There's some kind of energy in this place that just brings people together. And I was at a random party one day, and I saw... um, Fabiana walk in and there was just something about you that I was like, man, he's has this. Actually, I know what it's called. It's called um, magnetism. You had some magnetism about mm. you, and um, so I kind of followed him on Instagram. I don't even know how I did, but um, and so I always saw him pop up, and I just saw him doing some pretty cool things that align with what I do, and um, I don't know a whole lot about it, so that's why I'm excited mm. to have this conversation. I just so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to get started?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, uh, Jamie. I very much appreciate you for having me on. I'm Very honored to be here. Um, and yeah, I echo the same sentiment about St. Pete. I feel Mm. like it's a vortex. Yeah, Like people come here, nobody wants to leave because it's like, you can have these conversations just randomly on the street and it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go about my day. Um, so a little bit about myself. I am Sicilian American, first generation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That makes me excited. Yeah. I love Sicilians. Yeah, got that olive <laughs> skin. Yeah, you got the nice um, olive
0: skin tone. I think that's what drew me to you at, at the beginning. I was like, he's Italian. His name's Fabiano. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got to be. There's yeah. no way he's not.
1: Um, so, I am the founder of a men's organization called Men of Refuge, mm-hmm. and we believe in a world where the first thing anyone feels when a man enters a room is, "I am safe here. I am protected here, and this is my shelter." And the way that we do this is by helping men return to and master their true masculine presence. And like, this is already deep, innate within us. It's now we're just removing the stuff that's no longer serving us to come back home to and understand that that innate primal energy that's in all of us.
0: Man, you kind of, when you said that, just kind of brought some tears and like my throat chakra closed a little Mm. because just how people feel, I think specifically right now, men, like scare a lot of people or they think it's not safe. And so what like incredibly important work that you're doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I have goosebumps now just thinking about it. And, um, in reality, like that's what, that's not what a lot of people feel. And that's, I really wanted to get to the core issue of a lot of the things and that's why it's called men of refuge, Mm -hmm. right? A refuge is a place where you go to for safe, like for safety but that that refuge is also strong and it's also sturdy. It's very grounded. You know, it's a, it's a container where like you can experience that sense of, okay, I'm safe here. I'm protected here.
0: Yeah, man. Well, how did, so how did that come about?
1: Yeah. So this is a a beautiful and painful story. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was married and I got divorced December 10th, 2014. But before that process, I was going through a state of, like identity crisis. Like I didn't know who I was and I was living a life. I have, I have, uh, I'm a recovering nice guy is, mm-hmm. is the term that I use. People pleaser. Yeah, yes. exactly. Exactly. And, um, that I didn't realize until very much later that that's also an unhealthy form of masculinity because you got like the, the polar opposites, right? You got the narcissistic, like controlling, manipulative, um, overbearing, you know, CEO style ish, mm-hmm. if you for will, if you will, um, and then you have the nice guy, which is actually a little more, uh, in a sense, dangerous for lack of better terminology, just because that is a manipulative person and he does things to get the things that he wants, mm-hmm. right? And he knows how to use his words in order to get that, and but also at the same time he's walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. and he he lives life. Not for he doesn't know who he is, because he's living this life for other people. And so that was me. Yeah. And in my relationship, I was depressed. I was suicidal. I you know my ex-wife didn't know this. Mm-hmm. And you know i I was isolated. I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody. And because of like the stigma, you know of men not being able to express emotion or not being able to reach out for help because, If you don't, it's not not man enough if you do, right? Or just these these societal standards of what men should and shouldn't do. And there's just a lot of pressure. So the only emotions we know how to feel and express are rage and anger. Because that's what happens when it bottles up because we don't feel like we have an outlet to do that. So I ended up going through divorce and I started over. And it was one of the most painful things that I've ever experienced because, you know, the thought of not being here, you know, for my family and for my friends was ultimately the reason I decided to do it because I was, I was committed and, you know, growing up in an Italian family, it's like, yeah, I understood, you know, the, the emotions that happened in our conversations, but I was like, there's something that's not right here. You know, like there's something that's off. And the only choice that I felt I could in the moment, you know, after (laughs) us going through marriage counseling and our own individual counseling, I was like, this is what I have to do, like for myself. So it's been about seven years since then, a little more than that now. And now it's just like, I've explored, I'm still exploring, I'm still learning. And uh, I would say it was 2016, where my friend introduced me to music festivals. Ooh. And I love dancing. Now I do at least. Yeah. You know. At, <laughs> yeah. then I was so afraid to. I was like, you know, what are this person gonna think about me? Like how are they gonna perceive me? And um I went to a festival my friend introduced me to Sunset Music Festival, the local one in Tampa. Oh, cool. Over at Raymond James. Is that and on this past weekend they had it. Uh, it's usually the last weekend oh. of March or May. Cool. Right. Yeah. Memorial Day. Nice. So I um, ended up. It was the first time I ever tried like MDMA or ecstasy or LSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I did them both together.
0: Oh, good lord! Yeah. <laughs> <Was> <laughs> so good it, thing? It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so
1: <laughs> the terminology is like called candy flipping or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but anyways, I had a spontaneous awakening like at that festival, and you know for a lot of people like for myself I used to care so much about like the material objects that I would have or like uh how how people would look at me and I just started looking around and I was like nobody cares Mm. Mm -mm. like no no one's no one's judging me like I actually feel more received than anything for my goofiness for like the way that I was dancing, and the way that I was just interacting with people, and I realized that we were all there for the same reason. And now, you know, obviously, six years later, after that point, I, was, I realized, like, this is already inside of us. Mm-hmm. Like, all of this is already inside of us. I don't need these things. Uh, I call them extracurriculars. I don't need these extracurriculars in order to feel this sense of wholeness inside of me.
0: I like that. I'm like, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: It's a lot of fun. Um, now I can go, like I go sober. Like I go right. to shows and sober and um, I can just like, in a sense, feed off the energy of the oh, yeah. surrounding individuals and not to say that, um, not to say that I still wouldn't explore those things because uh, I believe it's just fun. It's just yeah. a good time, Yeah, but it's just not the way I was doing it before because know I started to realize I was I was looking for that sense of feeling all the time and so I would continuously go to shows and festivals and explore that not realizing that you know this love that I was searching for is already inside of me and so that intimacy that I was looking for in other women was already inside of me Mm -hmm. and then I can't like I can't depend on them for that and so I ended up. Let's fast forward to 2017, which was a kind of a big shift. And now, mind you, throughout this time, like since I got divorced in you know in 20 into 2015, 2016, and going into 2017, even present moment, I was watching, listening to podcasts, yeah. and um, reading books, and just like spending a lot of time in solitude. Not necessarily isolation, because I believe there's a distinct difference. Um, solitude is like something I, I want to be in to recharge my own batteries. And I feel like isolation is something that, you know, we can get really dark, really yes, fast. A
0: hundred percent. I agree.
1: So I'm watching these podcasts like, uh, Lewis Howes, uh, Aubrey Marcus, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Bilyeu, Tony Robbins. Um, I just did a Tony Robbins event this past weekend
0: I saw you on the uh, your story. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it was incredible. Was it Um, virtual? It was virtual, and uh, I'm excited because I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna do it again. I want to continue to do that path, and um, I want to take my mom. She doesn't know that yet, so I don't (laughs) don't know if she'll listen to this. But uh, I'm gonna surprise her with that. But anyways, like I was listening to these 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 guys in these podcasts, and I was just like a sponge, like taking in so much. And I learned about journaling. I learned about meditation. I learned about breath work. I I learned about, you know, different types of books to read, you know, depending on if I'm trying to have like create a new mindset or productivity or business or um, even just like nonfiction or fiction books. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I realized that my mind needs a break from all of the, all of that to think of the creative side of me, which is, you know, like. I love to dance I love to draw at times I, I used to draw when I was a kid or, or just free flow poetry
0: yes me too yeah I have books full really it was uh, poetry but they it was more like raps like a free flow rap I love that yeah I would my love brain. to hear that dude I have some on YouTube too <laughs> I would love to hear it that it was like my favorite thing since I was like in fourth grade yeah,
1: yeah. Funny, but I, yeah I used to draw so much like just draw and draw and draw sketchbooks and my parents and my sister would send me like pictures of these things yes. from when i was a kid and i was like wow i like forgot about that part mm-hmm. of me um and so like through this process like i'm still doing all this i'm learning i'm like understanding what a morning routine is and like a, you know in a nighttime routine mm-hmm. and how important that one is more so than the morning um and in 2017 i was still going to these festivals and i ended up going to this one in EDC Las Vegas it's like one of the largest in the world yeah and uh it's like if the best word i think to could explain it is it's an adult circus mm-hmm. like like a like just so many people I think any given day there's like anywhere from 100 to 150,000 people Damn. in there and uh I ended up meeting a girl, a woman there, and we ended up, like I was there with my friends, she was there with her friends, and we just joined our groups together and ended up spending like the entire time together there. And I say, we quote unquote fell in love. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, after we, after that experience, you know, we continued to talk for a little bit, but then I found out she ended up getting back into a relationship with her ex. I didn't find out until I saw it on social media. Mm. And then um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term like the Saturn return. No. So it's like uh, I'll, I'm not too deep into astrology. I do know like the basics of it. So I won't try to pretend in, yeah. you know, like I know. But this is a time in our life where Saturn returns into our orbit from when we were born. Which is every- Why are you
0: giving me chills right <laughs> now? I don't even know.
1: <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> yeah, it's uh, this was a really powerful year for me, and you know I experienced a lot of pain, but I so believe that through your pain you'll find your purpose. Hundred percent. And you know that happened, and then I think two weeks later I fell asleep at the wheel on the Howard Franklin Bridge, coming home from a party day where I hadn't got a lot of sleep before Mm -hmm. it. And I was going 70 miles an hour and I just fell asleep. And I woke up because I hit a pickup truck. And it was 10, it was 1045 at night. And I woke up, I I hit a pickup truck. The truck ended up rolling and hit the guardrail, threw me into the other guardrail and my car ended up like going up into the air, like going airborne and all I could see was water. And I thought I was gonna die. And it was like everything slowed down, like my head hit the steering wheel, I blacked out, I would come back to and then when I came back to I was in the air, and I saw the water and my car was going that way. And I was like, I think this is like, you know, that moment where you just like, Oh, I'm, I'm gonna die. And by the grace of, uh, I heard, learned this terminology this morning. Gus, God, <laughs> the universe, yes. source. Um,
0: I like that. I'm gonna use
1: that. I, I love it because it's covers all the bases. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's whatever the individual believes. Um, my car turned like in the air because I guess the way that the car, my car, hit the rail and went up and it just turned back in. It's crazy. And I just came like to a like halt, just like slammed down. My head hit the steering wheel, the, my airbags deployed, the glass shattered and, uh, and I came to, and I just started looking at my body and I, cause I was like, what the heck just happened? And I started feeling everything, like I couldn't feel anything out of, out of place. Yeah. Like I had a, like obviously a slight concussion. My neck was bruised, like uh, bruised on my knee and my my elbows, and that was it. Wow. <laughs> and and I got out of the car and I looked over and I saw the other truck and I was just like, did I just, you know, like my thought, my was like I just killed these people. And I looked out at the water and I just started crying because I was like that was like the first time I felt like God. Gus, um, channeled through me because my whole body, I I know now, like I get these sensations. A lot of people get visuals. I get body sensations. Mm -hmm. And so my whole body gets goosebumps. Yes. Um, and it was like, this isn't the life that you're here for. Like you're here to do some big shit. Mm -hmm. And if you continue to go down this path, you're going to die. And so i started to listen and the people in the truck survived like everybody everybody was you know they ended up going to the hospital just to get checked out but everyone was fine and um i didn't get to talk to them but the police officer told me and you know i i got very lucky that night hell yeah because you know the first thought is i just killed these people second thought is I'm going to lose like you know I'm going to get a a DUI and the thing is like I wasn't drinking at the time and I hadn't been drinking for like six hours I was just so tired I was like this is not like something told me I should not keep drinking so I was just drinking water for like the last six hours but I was I just needed to get home Mm -hmm. was a thought in my head and uh, he asked me he goes were you drinking and I said yes but I stopped six hours ago yeah And I told him, like, it was at 5 p.m. or something like that. And he wrote me up a ticket for reckless driving. Hmm. And I've been told that, like, that never happens from a Florida highway patrol. And so I was like, something needs to change.
0: (laughs) Fucking gift, man. Yeah. On so many levels.
1: And I wish it had ended there. Hmm. Um, That was July 2nd of 2017. On, I want to say July, maybe like 8th or something like that, my dog got sick
0: Mm.
1: and he ended up dying, uh, July 26th. And so I was alone again and he was like my best friend, the first form of like unconditional love that I could feel in this new state that I was in, like newer state, I would say. And things after that started to kind of slow down. Like I wasn't going as fast as I was going. Like I wasn't chasing a high mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. And, and after that, my, my sister, you know, asked me to be a godfather,
0: mm.
1: which as you know, like in the Italian culture is a very big deal.
0: Yeah. I'm a godmother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: so, it's such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she goes, she said to me, she's like one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. She said to me, she goes, you know what this means, right? And I was like, yes. She's like, you start living it. Like start being that person that I know you are, that Mm -hmm. man that I know you are. And, um, and things just started to shift and change. And I, uh, I can't say I stopped going to festivals. I just stopped going for the reasons mm-hmm. that, I feel that you know I was I was doing it and I just instead of like going hard hard hard, I was more of like I became like the rave dad.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um making sure people were taking care of like uh water and and supplements and stuff like that. The electrolytes.
0: That's like me. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. I always do that. Too. I bring them with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: like I had a whole box, and I'm like giving them out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2018, well, actually in 2017, uh, there's another part that happened at the end of uh, at the end of it. One of my best friends uh, ended up passing away, just fast. He was 37 years old, and he had a heart attack. And you know we would go to festivals together. And so I started again to just like look at my life and, and just like, is this worth it? Is what I'm doing worth it? Because he, he was like a, like a big brother and I have a, I have a big brother Mm -hmm. and you know, I, it's amazing the relationship that him and I are building now. But Joe was also like a big brother and he had two younger daughters at the time, six and eight, I want to say they were. And, uh, and I ended up taking them in 2018 to the father daughter dance with, um, one of Joe's best friends. And that to me was just like, just, it was, I felt so much from that. And, you know, his, his wife was also a best friend of mine and, um, and that experience like that just showed me so much and so in 2018 like that things i felt things starting to shift more and more and uh, i ended up meeting this woman and i could actually feel like i had these conversations and that's always been something uh where i've learned the most is my intimate relationships i believe our intimate relationships are the deepest spiritual practice we'll ever have because mm-hmm. we're literally being reflected back another person is like our triggers our insecurities, our wounds, all these things, and how do we respond versus react to those situations? And how do we breathe instead of reacting? And how do we regulate our nervous system in the moments where it's like, "Damn, you know what? You're right." You know, like I don't have to invalidate this person's experience.
0: You're speaking to myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, yeah."
1: Um, <laughs> And still be validating mine, right? Like, I can validate theirs and validate mine. Doesn't mean I have to agree. Yeah. But it's, it's. I feel like that's a big part of relationships. We want to be seen, heard, and validated. Mm-hmm. You know, for what we are experiencing, what we are growing through. Yeah. And so I met this woman and just a very deep, beautiful connection. Her and I have a beautiful friendship now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that took time because she triggered, like, every insecurity that I ever experienced had you know every uh my core wounds at their deepest and and i learned so much about that myself in such a short amount of time because we were on and off on and off and uh you know we met in october of 2018 and then we ended up separating december 30th of 2018. and i always remember dates like these really pivotal Uh shifting times in my life and um it was because I told her about my men's group idea, this idea that I had, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I feel like you need to do this alone." Oh, wow. Yeah, because you know, without her, because she, at the time, she said she felt this trajectory that I was on, and she, and wh- where she was at, couldn't be a part of it because she was still like in this discovery mode. She was also uh, divorced as well, and she was, you know, in the party mode and not to say that I wasn't still in that mode, but I was just like really starting to align with this, uh, deeper sense of like in myself, Mm -hmm. um, what I felt like I was being called to do. And, you know, that was so painful, like that separation. And, uh, I ended up watching like New Year's Eve went by and then I ended up watching like maybe a day or two later, the Tony Robbins documentary, Not Your Guru. Yep. And someone's, I kept having multiple people tell me like, dude, you got to watch this. Like there's something in there for you. Like I know it. And I'm watching this and I'm watching these people who are going through these massive transformations, like on the spot, like this healing process that's happening. And like Tony's the goat, Mm
0: -hmm. like, yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, and this one woman stood up and she's talking about her relationship with her partner oh i remember that part yeah and i have goosebumps now thinking so about I, it like... and she's talking about this she goes i know he has like this primal animal inside of him this lion that is he's afraid to let out he's like and i was he's like he's like this nice guy and i i just like it was for me I was like hooked. I was like, okay. Like my whole body like, Yeah.
0: I'm probably feeling a little bit of yours too because I'm sensitive to energy. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Um my whole body just had these bumps all over, like the the feeling that I get. And Tony brings he she he asked her, he's like, Is he here tonight? And he was sitting right next to her. And I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he stood up and Tony started guiding him through a process. And then he said, heal the boy and the man will appear. And like, I have goosebumps now thinking about it because that's one of the most powerful things that I've ever, you know, instilled to this day that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Like I, I use that term all the time and I started to realize how much of our society has that right now. There's a lot of little boys in adult bodies Yeah, And a lot of little boys that haven't been acknowledged in those bodies Mm -hmm. that just need to be nurtured and held and guided into this new sense of who you are as a man in a society where we're being told what to be. And that shook me to my entire core and I paused it because I just started crying just like uncontrollably just like and I was at work. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know and people are like you okay I'm like yes I'm fine I'm
0: <laughs> amazing actually. I'm healing generational trauma <laughs>
1: yeah, <exactly. laughs> <Your> conditioning <laughs> um, and I literally went back through my entire life just like in an instant I went back to every relationship it just felt like you know like a movie reel. how it's just going so fast and I just started looking at it and I saw my childhood and I saw my parents relationship and I saw the way that my dad was and my mom was and my father was physically present But he wasn't emotionally present Mm. and i don't fault him for that because i i i understand like the you know our conditioning is based also on our childhood unless we bring awareness to it we will never change and so um i just had this realization of why i was the way that i was in my adult relationships in my in my my intimate relationships, why I was like, I felt this energy inside of me, but I was so afraid of letting it out or like setting boundaries or speaking my truth or, you know, uh, speaking my values or having my own values for that matter. And, and I just was uncontrollably crying. And I was like, I have to, I have to have a conversation with my dad. And I want to say, that same night or the next morning, I called and messaged my sister and my mom and told them what happened, like what I just experienced. And they said, it sounds like you have to fly up here because they were in North Carolina at the time. Yeah. And it just ended up being a perfect time because my nephew's birthday is in the beginning of January. And so I ended up, I was already going up there mm-hmm. um, to celebrate his birthday. And I was like, this is like, you know, the time to do it. And So I ended up having a conversation with him. My dad's from Sicily, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sicilian yeah. men don't show emotion. Mm-hmm. It's the first time in, I think, 29 or 30 years I was at the time that I'd ever seen him cry. Because I got to understand his story. Yeah. His childhood. The relationship he had with his father and his mother and it wasn't a healthy one, the one that he had with his father. Like, they, like, hated each other. And his mother was his best friend,
0: Mm.
1: which was my relationship. I didn't hate my father, though. Mm -hmm. You know, I loved him. I just wanted him to be there for my soccer games and my hockey games and all that stuff. But I also realized he grew up in a different time where it was provide for the family and make sure we had a roof over our head. And he was an immigrant, Mm -hmm. And coming here without a college degree, he's very intelligent, but he's so hard on himself Mm -hmm. and his beliefs about himself are that he's not able to do these things that other people can do. And, you know, so I got to understand his story and I had so much love for him and like, we just both fucking cried. Yes. (laughs) And like, I just held him. And then, uh and he held me and it was just a really beautiful moment where I realized I was breaking the chain. It was actually the name of my first retreat that I hosted last year.
0: Nice.
1: And, uh, we're breaking the, the patterns, we're breaking the ancestral, you know, traumas and the lineage, you know, recreating this new sense of who now the Meninos are going to be like when I have kids and Mm -hmm. you know, showing them a different way not to say that my parents way was not a good way like i i mean i compared to a lot of people i had an amazing childhood mm-hmm. i mean we struggled at times but it was like there was never a sense of there wasn't love there
0: right.
1: um but i got to begin healing that relationship with him and and it's still a, pro- a process <laughs> yeah. you know it's still a process uh i would say three years later and you know getting him to open up more but that sent me on a path of, of now having these conversations with other men. And like I could have them with women. It was very easy. Women are so nurturing, very inviting, are not trying to fix right. things. And they just listen and they provide feedback if we want it. And that's where like the five pillars of Men of Refuge come in. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. And listening is one of them. It's the number one. It's like actively understanding without a gender projection. So being able to be so present with the person and asking the right questions. Do you need me to listen or would you like me to respond as well? You know, how can I support, if at all? And so this sent me on a path of just like having these conversations. I ended up, it's crazy to think about this. The same weekend that this Tony Robbins event just happened was, three years ago, I went to Phoenix for a Brendan Burchard event, Mm -hmm. which is High Performance Academy. Uh, he wrote that book. Uh, I have it uh, over there. The yeah.
0: Habits of Highly. Yeah. What is it? Something um, Habits of Highly. Yeah, the six people.
1: High, high performance habits.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and I started talking about it publicly. Like the, this idea that I had. It wasn't any, it literally wasn't anything yet. And the more that I talked about it, the more that I saw just how much of an impact that like people were like, you need to do this. Like, because this doesn't exist. And, and At least people don't know it existed. And at the time, I didn't know anything existed either. Now, I I found out there's like the Mankind Project. Uh, Some dear friends of mine um, are in Sacred Sons, which is another men's organization. They're doing some deep work. Uh, Everyman, like all these organizations that are like helping men heal and create these containers for men to be able to do this kind of stuff. And, you know, I didn't know of any of this at the time. So I was like, I got to do this. And you know that post-retreat or post-immersion high that you get? Hell yeah. (laughs) And then it's like it starts to fall off unless you find a way to implement it.
0: Or keep going. Right. Yes.
1: And so I didn't have the the skills at the time to do that. And, you know, I was still uh, trying to figure it out. I was working in, um, I was going to be working in, I think what I was doing at the time, corporate America, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Like medical device is what I was doing. I want to say that's what I was doing. Um, And so I would still talk about this stuff, but I was like in alignment with trying to get this off the road. And then the woman who I separated with at the end of 2018 started coming back in because she started to feel this change that was happening. But then I noticed myself reverting back to my old self. And it was like a constant battle, like constant. And I was the last, I think the last time we got together was... In June or July after she got back from Costa Rica. And and it was the same thing where like, you know, I would revert back to my old ways. And and I was in so much pain after that separation that I was like, I need to... Like something needs to happen. And um, I... After that experience, I, I experienced uh, DMT for the oh, yeah. first time. <laughs> and I have always wondered like what it was like to feel my own, like what it was like to feel love. Mm. Like a deep a deep sense of love. And that was the first time I experienced my own love. And it was so powerful. like Like conceptualizing it in the rational mind sounds nice, but I was able to like fully feel that in my entire body, in my entire being. And I no longer questioned it anymore. And I realized throughout that, because of the messages that I received is this is already inside of you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like you can tap into it at any time. And this was before I had a sense of like deep body awareness of like where my pains are within my body and being able to like, okay, tune into that and ask it what it needs. And from there I ended up going, so that was July. I ended up going to a men's retreat in September for the first time. And because I still, I was still experiencing a lot. And I was like, I need something to shift me, like a deep sense of brotherhood. Mm. And from there, I ended up meeting a a dear friend of mine who, his name is Duncan. He was a volunteer. And I ended up talking about my idea, like at the table during, you know, uh, during lunch or dinner one night or breakfast. I can't remember which one it was, but, and one of the other volunteers kicked his leg underneath the table. And he, I guess he told him that you, like, you need to go there. And so he ended up staying with me for three months. To help you? Yeah. Cool. And it went from eight of us to 10 of us to 12 to 15 to 20. And then it blew up to like 50 men. Like in one room at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, and it turned into something. Like so organic.
0: Chills again.
1: And, yeah. <laughs> I was not ready. Mm -hmm. Like I was not ready. I was still, I was quite, I've continued to question my own leadership. Like if I'm able to do this, if I'm deserving to do this, like these self doubt, these imposter syndrome thoughts Mm -hmm. of like, what makes me qualified to do this and realizing over the last three years that it's my experience and my ability to want to serve. And obviously I'm doing things in between. I I do my own work. I take courses. I attend retreats. I do these uh, seminars to deepen my own practice so I can show up fully for others. And, and, uh, it ended up turning into what it is now, which at the time it was conscious men's collective sounded really cool, but it had no, like there was no vision. There was no purpose or, or there was a purpose, but there were no like pillars or things that were under like men could like attach to or feel. And, you know the rebrand happened at the end of last year like i think i was working on it for uh, a few months and and then i just launched it again in end of november and we've been going for the last 16 17 weeks in a row just hosted our first retreat of the year yes. at the end of february which was massively transformational and like we're hosting our next one in july in wisconsin Sweet. and so uh and this is like really providing like an impact and support system for our community here. And, you know, I mean, I'm getting messages all the time about men who are not in the state, like does this exist in my area? And Ooh. so, right. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm seeing that there's a need and a call and men who are like really wanting to be a part of this, like really wanting some a sense of connection and, and community with brothers and being able to understand, like take that home to, You know, for one, themselves, because it has to start with the self. Like, we have to do the work for ourself. And then our service and our purpose. And then our sacred intimate partnerships. Those things that we're trying to call into our life. Mm. And sometimes, that sacred intimate partnership is ourself. Right? right? Like, showing ourselves the love that we're trying to give to others. Yeah. And so, I'm seeing this need. You know, even with all these other organizations around, like, I'm seeing this need that, that men want to... Be a part of something and they want to contribute men want to serve we're very purpose yeah. driven mm-hmm. um, and with the way that our society is shifting and changing at such a fast rate men are confused about what their role is now yeah and so now it's not about like the i believe in a sense it's not about the man who's going out and providing and, and for the you know like the breadwinner in a sense for their family because there are men who want to stay at home and be fathers and take care of the home and he's not any less of a man Mm -hmm. than the other one and so now it's like we're doing the deep work to build a, a, a safe container for our partners and even i talk about masculine and feminine as energies right like not as a gender right because some of us are more masculine at our core some of us are more feminine and that goes the same with women feel that and it's like which <laughs> one i have like one of my one of my really good friends also my barber she is more masculine in her relationship and her partner she's more feminine yeah and um and so we like have these conversations about like how you know the leading the the dialogue and, and creating a structure and a container and understanding the, the emotions and not attaching to them and just really holding a safe container for whatever is coming within a a respectful way of course like we're not um doing this you know emotional abuse is very different than holding a container for expression 100 yes so um helping men kind of figure out like what is true for them because we have a full like a, a diversity of men who are in the group straight gay uh, men who are identifying as men, are and, you know, also identifying as women, like gender fluid, oh, really? you know, cool. and just you know the the cultural diversity too, black, white, Asian, Indian, um, Hispanic, and it's just amazing that like we're creating something collectively where men can come to and feel like they are part of something, and not be judged for sexual orientation. The color of their skin or anything like that and it's just like that's what i i, I see is a, a space of non-judgment where men can come in and do the work and express the things that they've been ex- ashamed of expressing because that's like the lowest of the low on vibrational frequencies okay. yes and men experience a lot of shame And not necessarily maybe not necessarily because of what they did but because of what our gender has done
0: yes
1: and so we're creating something pretty cool with Men of Refuge.
0: Hell yeah, you are. And you know what's interesting? So you were talking about your barber. Like, that's what made me think of you. I'm like, I need... I had always been like, oh, I like what he's doing. I want to get him on the podcast. But I was having a conversation with my barber. Mm. And um, we were having a similar conversation. And I was like, you know, I need to show you this guy, what he's doing. Like, because, you know, he I don't know. He has a good group of friends. But I think sometimes his thinking is a little outside of the box of what... Their thinking is, and Mm. I won't. I had him follow you because of that. Mm. Um. So that Tony Robbins documentary, super powerful. It was a shifting moment for me too. It's what helped me to kind of heal my own anger at my parents. Mm. Because the part of the episode, which I remember, the guy, the guy gets up that you're talking about and Mm. yells so Mm -hmm. loud, and I could see the change within him, and I was like, holy hell. Um. But, uh. The, the girl that called her dad and like forgave him because he was she, she was exactly where she should be um, regardless of what happened you know mm-hmm. and that was a powerful one for me but there was something you said where Tony Robbins and, and Joseph walked me through this experience once where we because you were talking about your inner child mm-hmm. and we had this time where uh, it was in person with my company prove it. And uh, we, closed, we had a whole day of doing the work, and then at night we closed our eyes, and we had just broken arrows with our necks, and like, similar to a fire wow. walk experience. And um, you know, they close your eyes, they get the room gets cold, and the lights are down, and they put the music, and they talk you through this process, and you're, you're walking, you're walking, and he's describing what you're walking us, and then somebody's coming towards you, and you notice the closer that they get, the smaller the person gets. And then by the time you meet, it's your childhood self, and you get to speak to your childhood self, mm-hmm. and say what you would say so I said what I would say and then later I had this like epiphany this weird like moment or knowing because I remember being young and never having anybody say like you're worthy you're going to do big things but thinking to myself in times of feeling alone or sad being like it's okay when you grow up you're going to basically what I said to my childhood self in that not experience like experience I guess mm-hmm. when he, that he mm-hmm. walked us through I already knew that then and i'm like is this some kind of time warp does was my child would did my childhood self actually hear it and we went back like wow but it was like you know it was so weird for me because i'm like i told myself that now and I knew it then. So, like, take time out of the equation, just the dimensions, and it kind of
1: blew my mind. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> you know, like that whole.
1: That's powerful.
0: Right? It was, it was insane, like, in the best way possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, having that inner dialogue with our inner child, like, the visualization of it is so powerful. Mm. And it's like going back to that time, you know, because I do do a lot of inner child work. Yeah, same. And guiding men through a process of like what is is it that he needs right now what does he want to say yeah you know what is he feeling
0: do you have a certain age so Mm. when people ask me you know what age is this that's coming up for some reason I always say nine do Mm. you have a certain age you always go to or is it just
1: Mm. um mine so there's multiple parts because there's a lot of shifts in my life you know and there's a lot of my childhood I'm still trying to remember right because I I believe I disassociated. You know, I I learned that it's really prevalent in little boys mm-hmm. when they feel like they're uh, in a sense. Obviously, I didn't know what a nervous system was at that time. Right. But when mm-hmm. uh, it's too much for the nervous system to handle, like we disassociate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you know, the first age that I think about is actually nine.
0: Yeah, and then, it must be a very tender age. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's close to getting close to the age of puberty. And uh, I would say probably again, fifteen in high school was the time because I ended up losing so much weight. I grew up uh, in a, uh, overweight. Same. <laughs> so.
0: I mean, Sunday dinners didn't help.
1: Not at all. <laughs> it's like it's, bread,
0: it's sugar cubes, giant bowls of like, pasta, like yeah. homemade pasta with sauce great. and
1: meatballs yeah. and chicken cutlets.
0: Yeah. And if and they're like, "Why you didn't even eat anything?" You know, <laughs> right. I'm like all right, yeah. Gotta eat some it's some like, more.
1: Don't leave the table until you finish your food, mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um. yeah so like the inner child work is so deep and it's so it's really beautiful Yeah. and yeah like you said it's so powerful yeah. to be able to like nurture that self and in in a sense re-parent right so it's like you know what did you need in that moment that i can provide you now so like we're our own parent for our inner child
0: so there's a quote it's either tony or joseph that says it um, that it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Mm. That's what he said at the end of that experiment. I, I love that. Experiment, but yeah, mm. and so like we can be the adult that we needed then mm. and still have our child. So it's funny that we're talking about this. I listened to a podcast the other day, Rob Dial, and he was talking about how to truly love yourself. And you know, all of the things that we believe today aren't necessarily our thoughts. They were projected onto us and they became our lives. But how do you go back? when you were told your whole life, like, you're being too loud, you're you're being too rambunctious, when you're just being, that's your innate being. So you learn that who you are is wrong, and so you try to become something else. Mm. So how do you peel back the layers and take that back? And one of the things was going back to, what did you love to do as children? So you talked about drawing. And so lately, I, I realized, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I know you've seen me riding a little bike around town. Mm. And I was, like, riding my bike, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm doing it now. Like, I ride to the pier, I look at dolphins, like... Yeah, that's how we yeah. get back and truly love who we are today. Go back to those moments. You know? yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like, what what would you do as a kid yeah. if, if you were that doing that right now?
0: Yeah, ride my bike. Those
1: things are amazing. It's
0: the best. <laughs> like,
1: those, the e-bikes, right? That's mm-hmm. an e-bike. Like, we live in a city where it's almost like we shouldn't have cars.
0: I don't even use mine.
1: Everything is so close.
0: Yeah, don't even use it. I'm
1: like, and it, with the way this our city's going, I feel like they're going to close off that Central Avenue, right? And make it a completely walkable street.
0: Yeah.
1: Where you can use your e-bikes. Where yeah. You can play where there's like trees and gardens. I love and, it. I mean, it's getting
0: there already. This is the best place in the world, I really
1: believe. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like a little secret back seven years ago. I
0: kind of wish I came when it was more of a secret. I came right when it was really starting. Oh, really? Yeah, 2020. This
1: building, this wasn't here. Like, I moved here in November of 2014. Mm -hmm. So right before I got divorced. I ended up driving back to Orlando to get divorced and then drive back. (laughs) Because i lived there for seven years. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, like none of this was here and it was just starting my mom's like this is a great place for young professionals my sister went and found the place for me mm-hmm. and uh now it's huge it's, yeah it's, and it's just
0: continuing to grow and i hope that like for those of us who live here now and value that mm-hmm. can maintain like that feeling that like and not let it get disrupted the more people that come in absolutely the different types of people that come in
1: absolutely you know that was one of the biggest reasons it's funny going back to like uh you know, starting Men of Refuge, like restarting it. I was like, I saw the influx of people coming in mm-hmm. and I'm like, this needs to happen now. Yeah. Right? Like something that's going to be a staple for our community, mm-hmm. for men to come to and be able to to have these conversations and do the embodiment work and, um, and provide and con- contribute to each other. Mm-hmm. Support. Because like that's a big part of it. Like, yes, we want to receive, but also we want to give. There's like a nice balance of that too. Yeah. I love
0: it. Yeah. Um, What are the pillars?
1: Pillars. Yeah. (laughs) Great question. (laughs) So call them the five pillars of presence because all of these pillars help bring us into the present moment. And I believe, we believe that presence equals love because what better way to love someone than to give them your presence? Mm. Undivided. Nothing else. No phones. Whatever it is, like you're present with them. So number one, like we uh, talked about, is listening. Is actively understanding without agenda or projection. Because I feel like we collectively, but men are really good at this. We like to go into conversations and have a solution, right? Right, and sometimes that's not what's needed. It's just to provide this person a safe, uh, safe space to express. So, and not project our own experience into mm. the conversation. So number two is ownership, is taking full responsibility for misalignment and taking immediate action to correct it. This is one that you know, I look at my own life. All of these are in like that I, I keep myself accountable to. I look at this in my own life and where I can take responsibility, take ownership and showing up in my relationships. And I've been so at times I can might I get so triggered. Where if I feel like I do take ownership, like I talked to you about earlier, if I do take ownership, it'll invalidate my experience and show that this person's right. And in reality, it's like not about that at all. Right. It's like just taking ownership builds a deeper level of intimacy and trust with the person that you're having a conversation with or that you need to take ownership with. Mm. And I, I, That's been more and more happening more and more recently. Like realizing that I'm like, oh man, mm. like this is amazing. And like I'm not being it's not being used against me. It's actually like because I've had that happen before. Right. Me too. And yeah, it's 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 hard because that then we no longer feel safe in that space or in that relationship or or whatever it is, that friendship. Um and so then the next one is truth or sorry, purpose. It's our highest mission as first priority. And realizing that, and this is something that was really difficult for me to learn. I didn't realize that I made my partner my purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. a lot of pressure. And when I realized and when I came to this understanding of like what it is that I feel that I'm here to do in this present moment, like that purpose is what drives me. And then the relationships that come into my life see that and are attracted to that. And they feel that. And they want me to be in purpose and then also because I know if I'm doing that I'm going to take care of them like I'm gonna care for them I'm gonna nurture them I'm gonna be strong for them and that was something you know coming from a nice guy like I had to I had to learn the hard way mm. through my intimate relationships yeah. and then number four is truth it's always honest even when it's hard yeah. and this is is not just with individuals, but this is with ourselves.
0: Mm, yeah, that's probably harder than with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like having the hard truths, having the hard conversations, being able to fully, fully feel the spectrum of what it is that we're experiencing mm-hmm. and the truths that come from that. And then being able to understand that and also have that compassion for others. Like I talk about these, they're like, they're not just words. They're, they're pillars to live by. And so the last one but definitely not least is heart. It's so open your heart then think, say and do. And that is powerful because our mind likes to take over. I I believe it's you know all of these are powerful but that one is the key to healing. Because when we're in a contracted state when we're in a triggered state, we're just trying to defend ourselves. Right
0: ego is up and
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. but when I can go from having tension to tenderness it's like underneath that is just this pure tenderness that just wants to be acknowledged and expressed in that way
0: yeah wow that's pretty cool man Yeah, like everything first of all you're very calm like you're calming I'm just like (laughs) smiley (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but yeah that's that's amazing so what's next for men of refuge like do you have any big visions coming up?
1: Yes, yeah. So I'm on a 30 day sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're familiar with that um, terminology, it's like I'm working with a company, two men who are local, actually. I think you might know them Wally and Fung. Who? Wally and Fung?
0: Over at, are they always at Driftwood?
1: Yeah, yeah Driftwood. Um, And and they are like the marketing copy gurus mm-hmm. and, you know, sales gurus. And we got some really cool things coming up. Like uh, we're creating a challenge, a five day challenge calling pathway to presence. Sweet. It's like igniting men into this path of presence of into men of refuge, into the five pillars and doing some embodiment practices, having accountability, a private Facebook group for this and men being able to have like these deep reflective questions and also See how it, because it will trickle into every aspect of their life. Themselves, like a deeper sense and understanding of themselves. Like aligning with their mission, with their purpose, whatever that is in that moment. And then, you know, calling in those sacred intimate partnerships or connecting deeper in those partnerships. Hell yeah. So it's like a five-day challenge that we're going to be doing and then I'm also going to be launching an incubator pro- coaching program um, that will be uh, probably around eight weeks um, I'm creating it now and that is going to go deeper into this like really deep and, and I like I do eight weeks because like it's an accelerator it's an intensive it, it gets men to act fast mm-hmm. and it starts by changing you know Tony Robbins talks about changing our physiology yes. right and, and not just saying the things but like feeling it like doing it
0: yes that was a tony move right there yeah like that's that's one of my power yeah mine just yeah like squeeze
1: my fist i've always done this and i'm like yeah Yeah. i'm just like you know
0: yeah right now do a fire walk
1: i didn't (sighs) no like i want to
0: yeah
1: um because it's funny i used to be a firefighter oh really yeah yeah, yeah. and so like
0: my dad was too
1: yeah Mm -hmm. that's amazing Mm -hmm. thank him for his service Mm -hmm. i will um very noble, very noble position. Uh, and so creating an eight-week incubator program, and I'm calling it an incubator program because, you know, I'm very, like, transparent and very just raw and open about, you know, the things that we're creating. Like, I I haven't uh, done a group container yet. And so what I know, it's going to be half of what I normally would charge mm-hmm. because these men are experiencing it. And I'm going to be teaching live and recording it. And so they're also going to have accountability in that group as well um, with one-on-one calls every week.
0: So you're doing some pretty big things now. Yeah. It's a big shift.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I, I heard that you made the shift, was it recently, to yeah. do this like a full-time just go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations. I, thank you. Yeah. I, I amazing. left, uh,
1: what is it, March 25th now, I left my corporate America job. January 3rd was my last day.
0: How did that feel? liberating yes
1: and it also like ignited something in me it's like it's time yeah like this is why you're here and it doesn't matter how much i struggle like i still feel so aligned with what i'm doing and i feel it's impossible for this to fail hell yeah because it's not about me and that's something i really had to like I had to, I had to understand my core wounds and my limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. to be able to realize like, it's about, if this doesn't happen, I am doing a disservice to the world.
0: 100%. Yeah. I believe I can feel that from you. Yeah. (laughs) Like even just your energy, like that in itself, I feel like our energy is our biggest, um, you know, money is great but mm. your energy is so much more valuable Absolutely. and like yours is just radiating. <laughs> it really is. I'm I like, oh. I can feel it. Like my, my <laughs> hair, like, you know, like they're getting the goosebumps and yeah. uh, tearing up and my throat's closed. My throat chakra always closes that if I like can feel like a, an emotion or something. Mm. It's, it's interesting. Um, okay. So I have a question that I asked towards the end. Yes. And I think you'll like this one. So if you could go back and talk to your childhood self, mm and not say like, you know, don't do this or do that, but just give them some words of advice. And this stemmed from my experience with what I talked about uh, speaking to my childhood self. Um, What would you say?
1: Hmm. The journey won't be easy. And you'll have a lot of ups and downs and you'll feel lost at times. But the only thing that you need to remember is that you are so guided. You are guided by Gus. You are guided by the love that you feel. Use that love to be able to open your heart. Then think, say, and do. Lead from that place because the world needs heart-led men right now. The world needs very sturdy, strong, and safe men. And you're a part of that.
0: I love it. Hell yeah! Um, Before we leave, is there anything mm. else you want to share for anyone that might be listening? That
1: mm. I'm just really grateful for you, and for this opportunity, and to be able to to get this message out and. You know, I echo the fact that you also have this energy. Mm-hmm. Like, I always see you smiling. And I, 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 I see your eyes. Mm-hmm. And there's just a really deep sense of, like, you're on a mission. Hell yeah. To, uh, <laughs> to serve. To serve and, yes. to, and to do it from a place of using your experience mm-hmm. to help others. Yeah. You know?
0: 100%. Yeah. I love it. Well... Fabiano Menino. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, guys. That was Fabiano Menino. If you want to follow along with him, if you want to learn about Men of Refuge, check the show notes. I'm going to leave all the ways that you can follow along and um, get connected with him there. So be sure to check it out. And listen, we have some more pretty amazing guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. So just keep coming back and I'll talk to you guys soon.